wanted to take a second and recognize my sponsors this week. You know, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage as Edge and List Group. That's a mouthful. It is. But guess what? It's a great opportunity. You know, you can build a big Amazon business. You don't need a lot of capital when you start. I mean, we all started, you know, well, most of us started selling books. And then you move into retail arbitrage. That is the place that you can turn your money the fastest in online arbitrage. And so by having that skill set, by learning those skill sets, you can get the best bang for your buck. And so Gay's group will help you learn online arbitrage. It's it's more than just a list service. They're going to give you a whole bunch of actionable inventory every single day, right? Monday through Friday. However, there's also a mentorship that goes on. And that mentorship is so important because sometimes it's great to know what to buy, but it's more important to understand why to buy it. Yeah, it's that you know, learning to fish or just getting fed. You know, you really want to learn because ultimately you want to strike it on your own. And this is a great way to do it. So how about seven days free trial? How about a free trial? Right. Very, very cool. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash is a mouthful. The word momentum. You got to use a hyphen and you put in the word arbitrage. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. And you're going to get a free trial in Gay's group. You got to tell her I sent you, right? I'll also have the link in the episode. But it's such a great opportunity. She is amazing, amazing. I'm in that group, so you'll see me there. An amazing, amazing person who's there to answer your questions, who's there to help lead you and help guide you. And that's what Gay does. She does it every single day. The testimonials are real. Go take a look. You will be blown away. And again, it's a free trial. I have the link on this episode. Reach in. You know, Seller Labs, uh, Jeff Cohen and the team, they have blown me away with this scope project. We use this all the time for our business. We do a lot of uh, private label. We also do a lot of wholesale and wholesale bundles, you know, or multi-packs, that kind of thing, which a lot of people do. But we use um, scope to help us figure out what are the keywords. And so it's really simple. You basically figure out where you're going to sell, what you're going to sell, what category, find that like product, find the top couple sellers, and find their keywords. Boom, magic, there you go. You copy the best because it's working. And guess what? That's a proof of concept, and Scope allows you to do that. So it's sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum, and you're going to get couple days free trial and you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to get some free keywords it's worth every penny i'm in that group come and check me out sellerlabs.com forward slash scope again use the word momentum solutions for e-commerce karen locker great 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 group i've been using them for a long time I guess it's over two years and I'm in there and I pay just like everybody else. Yes, she's a sponsor of my show, but she makes me pay and I got the same $50 discount that you can get. Oh, by the way, you're going to get that through my link and my link only. Oh, and you're also going to get the free inventory health analysis. Great way to start 2018. Get your inventory in line and Karen will help you do that. We use them for everything. I mean, basically, uh, you know, long-term storage fees coming up. Guess what? She'll evaluate, she'll make some recommendations, and I'll say, yep, check, 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 take these out, this, return, blah, 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 and magically it's done. I love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that they take and get rid of stranded inventory for me. I see it in there, and then next time I go in and it's gone. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Got an IP infringement? She's going to help you work your way through that. This is the kind of service that you get from Karen Locker. That's solutions for the number four e-commerce solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum, right? So you got to forward slash momentum and you're going to save $50 a month. 600 bucks a year by just clicking that link. She pays me. I don't want to hide that. I never do. I'm always upfront about that. But it doesn't cost you anything additional. And you're going to get that inventory health report. The only way you get that is through my link. Solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 280, John Yarberry, aka Cincinnati Picker. Yes, another picker. I think that's uh, two in the last couple of weeks. But what fascinates me is uh, while John is a picker, he does like to go out and buy things. He loves to source. And our after conversation is still his favorite thing to do is to source. Um, but John is a pretty smart individual. He has figured out um, that there is another model. There is another way that he can move inventory. And he's, he's clear to say, hey, I didn't think of this idea, but I took what I saw was okay and I enhanced it, in his words, to what he thinks is a good business model. And I'll be honest with you, I've looked through it. It's a fascinating business model, very strong, very well thought out. Um, but he's put a lot of energy and effort to get in there. And it just shows the kind of person he is. Very, very smart, very articulate, um, very clear on what's working. And to me, you know, he understands that that's just a relationship business. He's not selling anything other than himself and his reputation and getting sellers and buyers is very tough. Fascinating to hear that sellers are harder to find than buyers, which is really cool. Wouldn't that be a problem that you need more merchandise to sell? You don't need more people to buy it. Love that model. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because it's fresh. I love you know, in our pre-interview, we we're talking about this. I love somebody who's figured it out, who's pushed aside all the challenges that you and I all have and have figured it out and are willing to, to take the effort, because I'm sure it's a significant effort. We're going to hear about it. But he's figured it out um, and not let anyone else control his future. And I just think it's fascinating. John Yarberry, the Cincinnati picker. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me on, Stephen. Hey, thank you for coming on. Um, I was sitting there watching something, and I saw you pop in, and I saw the, and I started doing a little research, and I'm blown away. I mean, I literally was blown away <laughs> because you you figured it out. Now, figured out I was relative, and I'm sure you're not, you know, uh, eBay level auction site. However, you're John Yarberry level auction site, which is, sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, I've kind of you know, carved out, I guess, my own little niche. I can't say that I uh, invented this kind of local online auction thing, but I just put my own twist on it. Well, I don't think anybody, I don't think there's anything left to get invented. It's so infrequent, right? It's usually somebody polishing something and figuring out some other way with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, a knife is a knife until it's a Ginsu knife or a, until it's double-sided, right? Or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, you are a, uh, a seller. You've been selling for quite a long time, actually, a real long time. And you sell on Amazon and eBay and all the regular sources. Um, how did that come about? Were you 
entrepreneurial and as a youth were your parents entrepreneurial yeah it's funny um my dad would take me to garage sales when i was in high school and um i was working on a sporting goods store and saw some cheap sports stuff at a garage sale and i'm like i could just flip this you know to my work and make some good money and i did and like i got the bug right then and there and just started doing more and more and hitting up garage sales every summer so that that work was a type of business that's out there that's kind of a is it a consignment level kind of business or do you sell it to them? I'm not almost like a not a like a uh, buy sell trade kind of thing. Exactly, yeah, it's a played against sports. Okay, so so I've I've never been in one, but from what I understand is if I can bring a bat that I've used and I'm now ready for the next level bat if it's still current and it's in good condition, I would get a a value either a store credit or actual cash. Yep, exactly. Okay, is it one of the other? Yeah, they do like they the, depends on where you go, but they usually offer you more store credit than cash. Right, right. And and so it's similar to like GameStop for video games, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, the more current it is, the more in demand, the more it's probably worth. What's the what's the statistical percentage would you say that most people get? I think like 40%. Oh wow. Yeah. That's pretty significant. That's a lot more than I thought it would be. Yeah. Okay. And so there's a business model where you can go out there and find this stuff and bring it in to play it against sports or GameStop or whatever and get paid, right? None of the hassle of listing, photographs, dealing with customer service, none of that hassle. Bring it in, get approximate market value so they can make a, a business, you know, a profit. That's a pretty reasonable way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I've, I'm still selling to them to this day. I still oh, that's find cool. Garage sales, you know, because I love multiple revenue streams. So I'm, I'm still finding stuff for them. Was um, I just had uh, someone on who, who said that they wanted to learn um, e-commerce and eBay. And so they went to work for someone and it gave them the education of a lifetime on someone else's expense. And, you know, he's fair to say, hey, I give 100%. I don't, you know, pull back and work on my own thing on their time. I literally, when I'm there, I'm giving them 100%. Matter of fact, the things I learn outside of there, I bring it in and enhance them. Was that your experience with Played Against Sports, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I learned so much about sporting goods. Um, it's it's invaluable how much knowledge I've got just because I'm, I'm constantly finding this stuff. So right away, I know what to look for. I know what brands are good, what brands are junk. And I've just made so much money off that. And is it, I mean, do you generally almost always take the stuff that you buy because you know what the value is to take it to a plate against sports or do you sometimes sell it yourself? Nine times out of ten, I just take it to them. Unless it's something really rare like a Scotty Cameron putter or something that I know I can easily get a lot of money for on eBay, I'll just take it straight to them. It's brilliant though because you're there anyway looking for what you're now – what you're interested in yet you have this skill set that probably – you know, like you say, every garage has this stuff. And uh, that's very cool. That's a very cool story. I love that. But that's not the coolest story. So anyway, all right. So you're working there. So you get the bug. And then what happens? It just grows from there. Um, You know, more and more every year I start getting more sporting goods. And I started dabbling a little bit with eBay at, you know, really young, like 18, 19 years old. You know, finding little things here and there, electronics, video games. um, And it just kept growing and growing. And so were you starting to invade the house? Be honest. Was this stuff creeping into every room? It was, yeah. It's funny. That a year before I started my auction website, I just bought and sold full time uh, for a year with no other uh, 
side jobs or anything and it took up our whole like basement pretty much and my wife was like you've got to get a warehouse this you got to get this stuff out of here a full basement is a marriage killer it is not popular there's nothing ever popular it's called junk once you see a full basement there's no value in her eyes it's junk Um, and so so you get that and then with the one year i mean were you earning enough of a living after one year to say wow this could be a real future yeah, yeah, that year I made, you know, I made a very good living. Um, the money was great, um, and I loved doing it because, you know, I could be flexible with my schedule and kind of work on my time. Was that eBay only, or were you starting to dabble in Amazon too? No, um, didn't do Amazon. I was just doing eBay um, and Craigslist and local apps and, you know, still selling to the sporting goods store. Okay, and and – you know, when you compare selling to the sporting goods stores versus local apps, because, you know, I watch Stephen Steff of uh, uh, Resale Killers, and I, they really have a lot of success with local apps. I mean, it, it's incredible what they do. Now, I think some of it's market dependent and their choice of goods. I think that's so smart for what they're selling because that market. Um, do you have as much success uh, with local apps as you do with, you know, the plate again, I guess, is an easy putt, no pun intended, because you know it, right? I mean, that's generally right. Um, how about local apps for you? Yeah, the local apps, I'm kind of picky with what I do. Um, if I've got like, you know, high end tools or just something weird, I'll put it on there. Uh, honestly, most of the stuff now just goes straight to my website and then, you know, the sporting goods, it's such a specific thing that somebody might need that isn't a good fit for my website that I take it to play against sports. Okay. And so... You did it for a year. When, when in the, the thought process did the um, possibility of having your own website come up? Well, I had seen um, a handful of people doing it in Cincinnati that just were not doing a good job of it, in my opinion. <laughs> the websites weren't uh, user-friendly, and they were still just getting amazing money for this stuff that really wasn't a good fit for eBay or local apps or anything like household goods and just a lot of just random things. That well, give an example. Could you, I mean, like something that I, I just want to make sure I get it in my head, what you're thinking? Uh, furniture is a oh. good example. So uh, like a sofa? Yeah. Okay, big sofa. Most people would put it on Craigslist and then get creeped out by the people from other countries telling them to take their, you know, hey, I'm going to give you this uh, money order for more money, John. I'm giving you more money than you need. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be amazing. And then I'm going to send a guy to pick it up. Yeah, you've gotten those notes, right? Yeah. Uh, not a good experience. Or, you know, it gets really creepy, weird, and, and, and icky. So then the local apps come along, and, you know, they're supposed to help because you have to have a real Facebook account, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, however, that's very limiting too, right? I mean, it is very limiting. And so you're thinking, hey, I'm going to do – so I, I just – I'm not familiar with uh, – I can't think of one local auction site in my world. You might be surprised. Um, I would definitely urge you and the listeners to go to auctionzip.com and just type in your zip code. And uh, you might be surprised what's around you because they're not always, you know, the graded advertising and getting the word out. But it's it's spreading like wildfire. There's a lot of these auction websites around the country. That's fascinating. I mean, I, I think there's one and it's almost always like baseball cards and it's very specific. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it, and, and he seems to be, you know, scaled at that, whatever that is. And that seems knowledgeable, but I'm not personally have not seen that. And I just, I'm fascinated by it. And so there were multiple, what's multiple, two, three, more than that. Yeah. I'd say six or seven. No kidding. Yep. Is Cincinnati that big of a market where, um, 
I mean, I don't know how big the population, I know it's a big city, but where, because I, mean, I assume you have, you know, Craigslist, of course, but you have OfferUp and Virage Sale and all the rest of those too. We do. Um, honestly, it's kind of it's kind of a perfect storm because the, we have consigners. So I've got like 250 consigners that bring me stuff every week. So it's a really good outlet for them to just drop it off and be done with it. And then on the other side, we've got 5,000 bidders that every week they just love seeing what is on the website. So they want to see what's new, what's different, and it's just the whole experience for them. What percentage of that 5,000 is local for you? About ninety five percent. We're trying okay. to uh, we're trying to do more and more of the national. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I I think of Forest to Cure. That was one that I remember him having something similar for where he is. I think he's in Arizona, um, and he has something similar. And it was almost all local for him too. And so it started out local. Were you able to find a company to develop this uh, that's geared towards auctions, or you had to go outside and find a different kind of developer? Yeah, I was lucky enough to find a local developer, um, and it was good to you know meet up with them and be able to talk face to face about stuff. Uh, we did find like a plug-in sort of type thing um, that kind of had the 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 framework of what we wanted, and then we added a whole bunch of extra stuff. You know, we did surveys and kind of talked to people and figured out what their pain points were with the other auction websites, and then we customized ours to be user friendly. Is most of it web based or phone based now? Uh, web-based. Web-based. Um, has the phone caught up, or is it starting to catch up? The f- the phone, you mean? Like having your own app, or, I mean, are people, you know, I think of like, like a um, uh, Virage sale or one of those. The only okay. way the only way I see it getting used is, I, I don't even know if you can get on it on a, la- on a desktop. Um, Right, right. Um, well, me, my website specifically, um, it's still user-friendly on a phone. We don't have an app or anything like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, most of our bidders are on, on PCs. Okay, but you could pull it up on your phone and then use it like a PC. Okay, that's what you mean. Um, so when uh, when you had this developed, had he developed other sites for other people before of uh-huh, similar yep. auctions? Okay, so he gave you best practices, what's working, what's not working. We tried that, but this didn't work because, right? Because you probably came with a whole bunch of fresh ideas. And then he shot them all down saying, well, we've already done this. And this is why that works. This is that. Is that kind of relationship face-to-face? A little bit, yeah. He always listens to what I've got to say. Um, and he he's always trying to make uh, my vision come to life, so to speak. Because um, I could, you know, I can draw it on a piece of paper, and I just I'm not good at web development. And he's like, "Well, this might work, this might not work," you know, because as you know, websites aren't exactly like <laughs> just drawing it the way you want it. You know, certain things have got to look certain ways. Well, and they have to work on multiple. Uh, um, um, uh, what are those things called? Jeez, Chrome and all the. Uh, yeah, oh, I, forget, I, I forget what even even called because I haven't used more than Chrome in like a zillion years. Yeah, browsers. Browsers. Yeah. Oh, there's a word. Okay, so they have to work on all those browsers, which I know they're not standard. No, they're not, and that's <laughs> that's a whole another hurdle to you know overcome with different people using different things. Now, this was probably pretty expensive to do, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know the cost is ongoing because you know we make improvements and updates and changes. Same guy, same developer. Uh huh. Well, that's a big deal. And so, how long did it take for from concept to launch? Um, it took about two months. Wow. Um, but honestly, it took close to a year until we really had it 
honed the way we wanted it to be. And how long has it been going now? Three years. Oh, no kidding. When you look back at what you started with, you know, that first, after that two months to what it is today, how, how different is it? Way different. (laughs) There's a lot more functionality to it. Um, The auctions are quadruple the size. It's grown a lot. When you put an item up, I mean, I was blown away when I went and looked at some of the items and some of them sell cheap, but some of them sell for quite a bit. And there's a significant amount of um, bidding. I was shocked at some of them. I saw 21 bids. I'm like, wow, that's a material amount of bids because you go to an auction house. It's very rare you'll see 21 bids on a particular item. And the two guys or two, two people would uh, might, might get through it, but usually it's six or seven times and then it's about done, you know, best case. 21 significant. Yeah, we take a totally different approach from live auctions. Um, almost every live auction I've ever been to, they started high. They're looking for that high dollar, and I understand why they do it. Um, we flip that. We start everything at a dollar because we know that we'll get more people fighting for it because they'll say, oh, well, I'll bid a dollar, and then it gets to like seven, eight. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll keep bidding. And then they start fighting and competing for it, and it's a matter of they want to win and they want to beat the other person. Um now, we, let's distinguish this. So you have two different versions of auctions. One is local pickup only, period. And then the other is uh, shipping included, right? Or shipping, uh, you could ship to anywhere, almost anywhere, right? I don't know if you do overseas. Yeah, we haven't done overseas yet. Okay. Uh, it's pretty much just the you know, United States. Okay. So, but there's two different models. And so let's walk through each model, if you don't mind. Okay. And again, if I get too personal, you don't want to give, don't give away your secret sauce, of course. Um, but... I, I decide I've got, you know, 20 things. When I bring all 20 things, do you say yes to all 20 things? No, not always. Um, we, we've we done it so long now that we just know things that aren't going to sell. Uh, so it's not really necessarily worth our time to put it on and have it sell for a dollar or just not get a bid. Um, so we do turn things away. And we decide uh, if it's big, bulky, breakable, we're not going to ship it. Uh, we just can't trust the powers that be to not break things uh, in transit. And a lot of people just don't want to pay the shipping costs. You know, if it's going to California, if it's if it weighs more than six or seven pounds, it's going to cost somebody $20, $25 to ship the thing. And they just, it's not worth it to them. So when I bring my 20 things, you say, okay, Steve, well, these, these you know, five things are no good. So now I'm down to 15. But these 15, uh, these 10 are going to go local. These five can go uh, national. Is it statistically? I mean, is it your experience that things that sell national sell for more money than local generally? Not necessarily, no. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, they both do really well. Uh, like I said, most of our bidders are local, and they still bid on that national auction. Uh, the national is just kind of what we make available to people that want it shipped. Okay. All right, so I bring my 15 items. Do I need to pay you anything to have them listed for sale? Nope. We do a flat consignment fee. Um, to make it easy, clean, you know, very much uh, catering to the consigner so that they don't have to worry about that. Can we say the percentage or, or flat so we amount? T- we take 35%. So 35%. So um, of whatever it sells for. So for if it's a dollar, I'm getting 35 cents. You are. Yes. So uh, is there tax? I mean, I don't know how uh, Ohio's tax laws are, but because these things are being resold, is there? does it create a tax issue for a person to consider? Not to the consigner. Uh, the buyer needs to pay the sales tax, and then uh, you know we pay that to the the state and the county every okay. month. No, so you add that on right at the end of it. The transaction says sales tax. Okay, cool. Yep. Which is awesome for sellers, right? So they don't have to hassle with that. Right. Um, <laughs> 
tax is such a, a crazy issue right now. So, uh, so I bring those items. They sell. Um, how long do the auctions go for? One week. No matter what. Yep. Okay, so one week, and then how oft how uh, often do you pay? Uh, we pay 15 days after the auction ends because uh, you know we need the time to collect from the consigners and. Unfortunately, there's some that, you know... Yeah, you only pay what you collect, right? right. Okay. And then what happens when that doesn't happen? They get their merchandise... Steve gets his merchandise back, and then I could resubmit it again? Um, No, I still pay them. Um, That's kind of that that 15-day gap that what helps me, you know. Like, if when all your items end in the auction, I'm going to pay you regardless if if I get from the bidder. And then if the bidder doesn't pay, then I'll just relist it myself and get the money. That way, the consigner doesn't have to worry about, you know, getting his money two months down the road or anything. Yeah, and you're getting it at 65% of cost or of whatever it was going to sell for, of perceived market value. So as long as nobody's running up an auction, in theory, you're kept whole, you know, for your time. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And so how many, how many um, consigners do you have on an ongoing basis? Um, We're at like 260 right now. Could you handle more or are you getting close to capacity? We're not at capacity yet. Um, We probably could handle more. We might have to tweak our uh, processes a little bit, but yeah, I'm sure we could. We get, you know, three or four new ones every week. And how big is your warehouse? 4,000 square feet. You can fit that much merchandise in 4,000, because it turns. I mean, obviously, I understand that, but it doesn't turn immediately, right? I mean, how many people pick up the merchandise that it ends? I mean, how quickly do they pick up? Um, so it ends on Sunday and they pick up Tuesday, Wednesday. So it, we get it out of there pretty quick. So generally, is it 90% of it just disappears by Wednesday? Yep. Okay. And then that's the pickup side. And right now we're saying that 95% of that is pretty much the business at this point. And about 5% gets shipped. Now the, the 5% that gets shipped, there's a different model for that, correct? Um, it's the same. So, we, I mean, we do both of those auctions simultaneously. Um, but yeah, the, the model is, you know, pretty much the same, but we just handpick what goes on that national one so that it's not breakable. Okay. And you're also thinking that you might get a more, um, uh, a more, uh, worldwide, uh, statewide, countrywide buyer for a particular right. item, right? So that's an that's an experience issue, right? And that's just I've seen this before, and this is where this sells. This is where you're going to get the most money. Yep. Is there? Did I see something about some kind of picking fee or something like that, or a process or a handling fee? That was it. Oh uh, yeah, we do a three dollar flat handling fee uh, for all shipments. So if you get one item or ten ten items, it's all just the flat three dollars. Now that gets charged to the buyer, correct? Uh huh. Okay, and then they pay the shipping charge additionally. Yes. And what, what shipping service are you using? Uh, we use USPS. Um, we also use UPS for, you know, heavier, bulk, bulky items. Uh, we just try to be cost efficient to the buyer. And so how many, how many packages are you sending out a week? Just for our auction stuff, uh, mm-hmm. about, a, about a dozen. Okay, so it's small still at this point. Yeah. Um, so, because that would be the big fear is all of a sudden, you know, you're sending out. That, I just I was watching something on a Philadelphia seller that sells 25 million. It's a consignment business, and they're sending out 2,000 packages a day. I think it said oh a day. My God, that's crazy. now they have 110 employees. So you know, put it in perspective. But 
2,000 a day. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, that's material amount of stuff getting processed. So a dozen, you'd like that to grow, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. How complementary is this to your existing eBay and Amazon, if you MF on Amazon business? Um, it's it's pretty complimentary. Right now, I'm only doing eBay. Um, okay. And I, I really only handpick like niche items for eBay um, that there's only a small percentage of people that want the thing to begin with. Um, cause the auction model, I need at least two people to bid that up. Uh, it doesn't help me if one person wants it cause they can't bid against themselves. Hmm. And so they could bid a dollar and then that's it. It sells for a dollar. Yep. Regardless of what you paid for it. So you've got to keep a wary eye on it. Right. Right. Um, um and I'm sure that there are things that you've lost money on, logically. Oh, several, yeah, especially when I started. I mean, I lost money on everything, but that's kind of how I got my loyal bidders to keep coming back because I get deals and they start telling people about it. Hey, what, how long is the learning curve, uh, would you say? So somebody, Steve's sitting here saying, hey, this would be awesome. I'm going to do this in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and I want to have such a thing. How long is the learning time when you think, I mean, obviously, I don't have the, the website issues because I can buy my website through you. So that piece is other than learning how it works. But there's still that I. I mean, how long did it take for you to stop losing money? Um, it was about six months before okay. you know, we were in the black um, just because it's, it's tough. Because when you first get out there, getting bidders, it's, it's real tough. Because, you know, they have to experience it first. They've got to bid and you know, see if, if they like it and how the process works. And there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. Is there a limit to the number of items I'm allowed to bring you in a week? No. No kidding. I mean, what's your biggest one? What, how many items does he or she bring you in a week? Um, on average, I'd say 50, but I just wow. had a guy bring two truckloads of stuff. So it's like 150 items. Whoa. Now, are you going to get through that in a week or is it going to take a couple weeks? Yeah, we've already processed it. It, it should be on uh, next week. Can you talk about staffing and how that works? Yeah. So I've got uh, four employees. I've got a photographer that takes pictures of all the items. Um, then I got a guy that writes all the descriptions of the items, uh, measures them, catalogs them. Um, and my photographer also helps with like the pickups and invoices and everything like that. And then I've got another guy that handles all the drop-offs. So people bring the stuff in. He says, you know, this is good. This isn't good. And, um, he kind of processes them, you know, to be photographed and everything. The software that you use for that, was that part of the uh, inventory management? Because there has to be some way to manage all this. Was that all part of the website? No, but we've added a lot of that. Okay. Okay. So you had something separate. Now you're trying to, to merge the two in some way? Mm-hmm. When um, they pay, since it's all electronic, you don't have to worry about theft of uh, cash, Correct. No, we take cash. Um, a lot of people prefer cash, uh, so we kind of give them that option. Yeah, um, we've—I mean, we've got it all locked up, and we've got cameras everywhere. Uh, so, knock on wood, we haven't had any kind of theft of cash or anything like that. What's your role now in the business versus what it, when you started? Completely different. Hmm. <laughs> um, for the first year, I didn't have any employees. I did everything myself. Um, so now I do a lot of. Uh, bigger picture things. I'm, I, I handle all the customer service end, uh, you know, as far as, as far as email, phone calls, stuff like that. And I'm constantly trying to figure out, you know, what the next step for the business is instead of all the day-to-day -day stuff. So you're working on your business. Um, 
when when you mentioned customer service, the panic runs through because I think of Walmart. What 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 are the customer service issues that you see? Um, a lot of it's just you know general questions about items. Uh, you know, if we combine shipping, just just kind of stuff like that for the most part. Um, I also get a lot of people that are wanting to bring in items. And they're, you know, they're asking me what kinds of items, like if this is going to work, how the process works, things like that. And do you just accept anyone? No. Um, hmm. it, dep- it depends on what they have, you know. Obviously, I'd help anybody sell as much as I can. But if they've got stuff that we can't sell, then then we don't do it. How do you prevent um, fraud? I mean, one of, the, one of the things, I had somebody who, was trying to sell me some kind of game system that supposedly they bought at Walmart. I'm thinking that's definitely stolen. You know, you, you could just tell, right? Common sense. But how do you prevent that? Because it, it's got to be a real issue. Um, you know, I mean, people bringing you things that are just too good to be true and you're like, hmm. Yeah. Um, we honestly, we just try to go on instinct. Like if it doesn't feel right and they're consistently bringing things that we think are stolen, then we'll just end the relationship. Have you run into uh, uh, any uh, police issues at all with any of these things? Knock on wood, we have not yet. Okay. Cool, because um, it's one of those concerns. But that might be a concern that you're, you know, you don't build it for that. You build it for the majority that work. Um, where else are the pain points in the business? Um, I would say <clears throat> growing uh, the quality items. Um, cause we get a lot of, you know, kind of run of the mill stuff coming in and we do have, you know, a pretty good number of high end quality items, but we're trying to grow that number. We want more and more quality items. So, you know, trying to build that reputation, um, to show the consigners that they can bring, you know, their high end stuff and it's going to sell for good money. Um, has there been people that have come back that have just figured it out and have like, Oh my God, I used to sell on eBay and now this is what I want. I didn't want to, this is almost like played again for you where they don't have to deal with this nonsense of, uh, of, uh, online selling, for example. Yeah, we get a lot of that actually. And a handful of my consigners used to do more and more on eBay and now they're just bringing it to me because they can turn it around faster. They know they're still going to get, you know, 50, 60% of what they would get on eBay. Cause then, you know, eBay is going to take their fees and they have to ship it and they have to handle with returns and all that. So they just bring it to me. That's a good question. Returns. I mean, that was something I was going to go to. Um, when you think about how many, how many people have buyer's remorse? Very little. I'd say 1%. Is it because stuff sells? For, I mean, here's a 32 inch Panasonic Viera TV works with remote right now. The bids at two bucks. What will that sell for? Realistically, what will it sell for? I think at least sixty to seventy. Uh, no everybody kidding. gets on Sunday night when the auction ends and bids. They just watch it right now and then they get on because that's the rush to them. They love that last minute bid and fighting for it and going back and forth. So I'm looking at you know it's it's just fascinating to me the stuff that's for sale. So here's five golf putters for a dollar. Here's a West Bend hundred cup urn. Coffee urn for a dollar. Now, obviously, it's going to get higher than that. Um, let me see if I can find. Uh, since today, okay, so there's lots of time left on these. How many items are generally put up in a week? About four to five hundred. Four to five hundred. And with your existing staff, could that expand volume-wise? Um, we couldn't like double it in you know overnight or anything. But yeah, that's the idea is to grow it. And when where is the pain point for that? Where where does that happen? Is it the photography uh, limit or is it the listing limit? 
Um, I think it's the processing, you know, because they've we've got to bring it in. We've kind of got to figure out what it is, kind of test it, plug it in. Uh, yeah, that that's probably the biggest pain point. Who else could run this business? When you think about, you know, what it takes, knowing who you are, what type of people is this business for? What what kind of people would would make a successful auction manager? I mean, because quite or that's really an operations manager. I mean, it's pretty complicated. I think anybody with um, just some general reselling knowledge and a lot of drive would do really good with it um, because you can you can scale this. You know what I mean? When we first started, my first auction was like a hundred items. Uh, so you can make it small. You can do it with whatever items you want. Like you said, your local guy's just doing baseball cards. So if that's your expertise, then just start with that. You know, see where it goes. Um, now you have uh, it, it's a warehouse. Is it retail space too? No, just a, just a commercial. Just a commercial. And so they you have a design where they come in and I mean, do they have to assign the time that they're coming to pick it up? Yeah. So we do preview pickup days and it's like drop off all in one is uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And we've got, you know, set time blocks that people come in. So uh, preview. Okay. So you have the stuff that's going to come up in the next week auction sitting out where somebody can go through and look at it. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Because people like to kind of, you know, touch, feel, see, get a better look at it and then just having the picture, you know. And then you have another section that where everything that's sold is ready to go. Exactly. Yep. How does that process work? I bought six items. How do you know that? So our uh, inventory system in our software generates the invoices. And, and this is part of the website software? Uh, okay. We added it to it. Nice. Um, and we print out the invoices. We gather the items and, you know, put the customer's info on them and they pick them up and it's ready to go. And they're sitting in a bin somewhere or something like that? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I see you have unique uh, SKU numbers, I guess it would be the thing to call it, um, on each item or item numbers. And so you just, somebody pulls those. How long does it take for them to pull those items? Um, one guy can generally pull them in like five to six hours. Okay, so it's a day of processing for him or her um, to, to get them ready. Hmm. When, um, when they're selling, right, so you, you put your 450 items up, they're up on... Monday. Would you say Monday nights? Okay, Monday. So, and these are the things that were received when? The previous week, like the previous, previous Tuesday, Wednesday. Yep. So you can turn from Wednesday to a Monday, and uh-huh. that's on Thursday, Friday, I take it? Yeah, that's when the guys come in and do the pictures and everything. And they can do 450. That's impressive. That's yeah, they, they've got it down to a science. I uh, I do my best not to micromanage. They, they do a great job of what they do, and they've got their system in place, and it works for them. So I really don't mess with it. So let's talk about this. So because one of my big concerns, you know, I, I get into the minutia of it. I'm immediately thinking, okay, what kind of cameras, what kind of that? Uh, all that stuff is part of your secret sauce. If someone was to buy, because you offer this, you have this custom site that you've had built for you. You spent a deep five figures on it and ongoing, as you say. That's really, I think, the biggest part of it. You've taken the learning curve of two almost three years out of it and fixed most of that stuff and added inventory. So there's a fee. If somebody's interested in this site, you would clone it for them, correct? Uh-huh. I, I didn't know, hear that term before. When you used it in our pre-call, I'm thinking, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's a clone. Then I would just customize it for my market. Yeah, and customize it with your logos, name, everything. You know, put your own spin on it. Obviously, it's not going to say, look what I found. How about training? Yep, yeah, we offer, um, you know, I... 
the the guy that I've the first one that I did with, I'm still you know it's been over a year and I'm still helping him with training. But yeah, um, we we would definitely train somebody on how to use the software and kind of just in general how to start the thing and get it off the ground. And then um, you make a modification. Do I get the benefit of that modification later on? Um, I see that's where I'd have to talk to my web developer. Um, because that makes it complicated, right? right I mean, exactly. you're doing custom stuff for you. Yeah. Is there a an ongoing fee? So if I pay the price to buy the service, your your site, is there an ongoing monthly fee then thereafter? Nope, one time flat fee. Are we allowed to say the dollar amount, or is that when you want to talk to people directly? Um, I'd rather talk to people directly. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, you know, uh, I again. I applaud you because I'm sitting here thinking, um, you know, in these, as I'm thinking about the calls as I'm coming, I'm always interested, you know, I'm interested in the story, hence the reason I reach out to you. But then I think about what what's different. And to me, I'm sitting there thinking is that John's not complaining about eBay fees without doing something about it, right? They are what they are. And, and more than likely, you understand them better than anyone else because you got the same cost structure they do that that software wasn't cheap the ongoing fees aren't cheap storage of all this junk isn't cheap rent's not cheap insurance sure isn't cheap so you probably can relate to them with fees better than any of us yeah absolutely and so or and plus you have retail experience so you've also seen what it takes to run a business and so you though took your own way i mean to me that's what i applaud is that you're not letting eBay or Amazon or Etsy or any of those mandate your future. You're using them, I mean, because they're good services and they serve a purpose. And you're saying, hey, this item, this igloo water cooler might be better served on eBay because it's going to go to Japan or what have you. However, you're saying, hmm, I'm going to control my own future. When you think back to starting to selling, you know, back to your days of playing again, did you ever envision that you've got this monstrous machine? I mean, you really do. No, I didn't. <laughs> back back then, I thought I wanted to have my own plate against sports store. You know, I knew that I wanted my own business. I just didn't know exactly what it was yet. When you think about where this is going, I mean, have you thought, I'm sure you've had the thought, oh, I could do one of these in each city, or I could, you know, create franchises. I could create blah, 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 blah. Where did that thought process end? Um, we're still We're still talking about it. You know, we've been in talks with a few people about putting these in different cities. Uh, we just haven't finalized anything yet or, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if it is going to happen or not, but yeah, we are looking at that. Okay. So you've thought that far out. One of the cool stories you told me that someone relatively local to you, you uh, made a deal with and, and sold them this software, the clone software, and they operate this business relatively close to you and it has not affected your business one iota. No, not at all. Um, most people that bid on these types of websites bid on multiple. You know, they're, they're not just loyal to one of them. And there are more igloo coolers than you could possibly sell in your market, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so what's the fear of somebody having to do this? When, when you say, hey, you know, Steve, I, this is, yeah, I know this sounds all glamorous and cool because I'm cool. That's you talking. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> There are some things that you really need to make a commitment. You have to understand. Is this a 52-week year business for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We So I, I told you we've done it for three years now, and we've only missed, I think, two weeks of auctions. And was it because of just computer problems, or was it because of holidays and stuff? Both. I think one week was computer problems, and then another was Christmas. 
Well, I mean, is that, do you now, uh, will you have an auction that week of Christmas? We did this last year. We did. Yeah. Okay. And so you would, and, and I guess what's so cool is can you hold stuff? Uh, I mean, you could do whatever you want. It's your business, but I mean like, and do a Christmas theme auction. I mean, sitting here thinking, can you do a toy specific one? And you're going to be like, of course, Steve, of course I can do that. Have you done that? Maybe I should say it that way. Yeah, the first year I did do it, and it did really well. Uh, but then I looked back at how much storage space I used in my warehouse to make that happen. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to dedicate a fourth of my warehouse to a one-week sale. Yeah, and then and then again, you it's a thinner market, right? If I'm, if I'm not interested in Christmas stuff, I'm not coming back for that, right? I'm, I, but if I'm interested in it, I would come back every week. So, huh, interesting. So... Uh, again, warnings for people who are thinking about this. What are what are the things that you say? I wouldn't expect to get rich quick. Um, you know, I it took a while before I could pay myself. I was lucky enough to have an amazing wife that you know was making good money. That I, you know, when I wasn't bringing it in, you know, she could support the family. And so, don't get rich. You're not going to get rich quick. And scaling. How long would it take to scale to to the five hundred? I mean, because a you're talking, you got a staff of five, including yourself, so that's that's significant. Um, how long would it take for someone to scale to that level? I think at least a year. Um, even even if you have the employees and the you know wherewithal to 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 do that right off the bat, the inventory is going to be hard to find five hundred items a week because you really need a good consigner base to be bringing you those items. And you, that doesn't happen overnight because you, you have to build a reputation. You have to gain your consigner's trust to where you're going to get all that stuff every week. Is there are zoning issues that you run into? Uh, were there zoning issues? Um, is there something to consider? Uh, no, not in Ohio. There isn't. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I'm, again, I'm blown away. I just love the fact that you did this. I mean, did you realize how big of a job it was going to be? Or did you thought it was going to be easier? No, I didn't. I didn't realize. Um, luckily, we've improved our processes a lot from the beginning to where things are streamlined much better. But yeah, at first it was it was a grind. I mean, I was working seventy plus hours a week, you know, just constantly. How long does it take to train somebody? I mean, to, I know you know they're taking six photos or whatever it is of every item. I guess you know that part gets easy, but that doesn't mean it's they're good pictures. Right. Luckily, I've had the same photographer uh, since I. It's been awesome, and you know, it took him maybe a few days to get the hang of it. Full time, part time. Okay, employees are part time. Um, let me think about what else I'm thinking about, dude. I'm I'm telling you, when you go to this site and it's called Look What I Found dot bid. Okay, everybody's going to be like, Steve, why didn't you tell the site? I was waiting till the end because I just want people to get the capacity of what we're talking about. Look what I found dot bid. Um, you'll go to this website, and this is John's personal website. And you will sit there and say, wait a second, here's a KISS record, yeah. <laughs> next, and right next to it is a Pete Rose plate, and <laughs> down further is a cash register. I mean, none of these things are related. Here's another cash register. Um, here's another cash register. There's probably one seller bringing in a bunch of cash registers, right? Mm-hmm. Do, um, do people hold stuff and then come in once a year, clean out, um, that kind of thing? Some do, yeah. And we were talking about the seasonal things, too. Like, if somebody brings me, you know, Christmas stuff right now, I'd say, look, I'll sell it for you. But if you wait till November, you'll get way more money. And you let them store it. Exactly. Okay, so here, here's a question I have for you. So, large lot of various 8-tracks, including two cases. 
am, are you going to answer questions about this? Because it's pretty generic. The, what he says is basically, hey, you know, this is a large, is eight track in two cases, lots of photos. So I could see the titles if I wanted to. Hey, are they all good? Is the heads been changed or any, or the pads or any of that jazz? Do you get those kind of questions? Yeah, sometimes I do. Um, like, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, a guy happened to see one of the records in this big lot of records and he was curious you know about the upc code because he might have thought it was like a rare print mm -hmm. um so i went and you know took a picture of it and shot it to him i think it was what he wanted because he ended up buying it so yeah i'm, I'm happy to oblige with things like that because obviously we can't photograph every square inch of every item uh, and if somebody's out of state they can't come preview so yeah we're always but most questions get asked or come in house right i mean what percentage of buyers come in um I, to preview probably less than half um and most of the time it's the people that are picking up their stuff from the week before so while they're in there they're previewing um i don't know whether we said this on uh, on the call but you have five thousand bidders mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis yep how many of them bid more than uh once a month a lot a majority <laughs> no kidding yeah and how do you get those customers? Because one of the big questions, too, is going to be, you know, how do you drive traffic to your site? Yeah. Uh, me personally, I'm very much uh, – I love internet marketing for this specific business because I think people have short attention spans. Um, anything more than just a click away, I don't think they're going to do it. If I had a big billboard of a look what I found out bid, I don't know how much it would work because I don't know that I could trust people to – go home and get on the website or do it on their phone if they happen to be on their phone while they're driving. So I do Facebook. I do the auctionzip.com that we talked about. We do Craigslist. I, I advertise all over the internet. That's just a click away to get them there. Hmm. Um, and you personally, that's one of the things you manage. Yes. You really have done it all, haven't you? I mean, because when you started, you were doing, you know, the the probably the photography and the listing and the you know previews and the pickups and the collecting the money and the Facebook ads and the and the and the and the right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I'm as I'm sure you could you know you know when you own your business when you first start you're every department you're the accounting department sales department. Yeah. When did you hire your first person? That's a, I think that's a decent question. Just a year after I started. It was like, you know, 12, no kidding. I'm saying it took me a year, yeah. Wow. Would you do that again that way? I mean, thinking about where you're at now and obviously knowing that you'll get this software at the level you're getting it now as opposed to what you did because you had to still fine tune it that whole process. I think I would still do it. I mean, I appreciate it that much more now that a lot of the I had to do it myself for so long. Hmm. I sit back and, and, and just imagine the undertaking. How many times did you think about throwing in the towel in this whole <laughs> Early on, uh, a handful. Uh, but, you know, now more and more it's just like, no, you know, we're, we're chugging right along. Well, I, I, back to what I said. When you see all the, the negativity related to all the changes outside of your control – that none of us can control going on in these other marketplaces. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to pay higher fees or I want better service and all these restrictions. Does that reinforce what you've done? It does. And I try to use that as a selling point to my consigners, you know, because I've got a handful that are holding back a little bit like, oh, I've got this rare item that I don't think I'm going to get the money for. And I'm like, I'm telling you, you will. And you don't have to pay the fees and you don't have to deal with refunds or anything like that. So that's that's a huge selling point for us. How about seller's remorse? How many people have said, oh, John, that sold for a dollar. I can't let that go. I lost, you know, I paid 60 bucks for it. 
Very few. Um, we always try to set expectations. Uh, sometimes people will bring something and they'll say, look, I want $1,000 for this. And I'll just say, you, you won't get that from our website. You know, I'm not going to lie to you because I don't want them to have a bad taste in their mouth. Well, what happens when I'm not satisfied? What happens? Tough? Yeah, tough. Unfortunately, there's a contract in place. You know, when a bid is placed, that's a contract between me and the bidder. So when the consignor's brings the item in, they, they sign a contract that it sells for what it sells for. And I always tell them, too, like a lot of things are going to sell for more than you expect, but then some might sell for less than you expect. So it generally averages out pretty well. Are you able to give them a rough estimate? So if I brought these 20 items in, you could say, you know, here's what you could, because I'm sure that's what people want to know, right? They're like, what do you think I can get for it, John? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've done, it's like 150 auctions now. So we have a pretty good idea of what things are going to sell for. Is there any way for me as a seller to look up past items to see what they sold for? Yep. We keep past items up for, I think it's like a month old, um, just because, you know, if we have too many, it, you know, slows down the server. Okay. And and so I, I could go back and look at that and kind of get my own estimate uh -huh. of what that's been. Hmm, interesting. Are there things that you will not sell, just absolutes? Obviously, probably guns, right, or ammo or stuff like that because there's probably legal issues there. Yeah, we've got a list of things that we always give to people that we can't sell. Okay. And and so those are the kind of things that the help I would get from you if I bought this service from you mm -hmm. or this software. It's it's really not a service. It's a software, and then you give a little bit of uh, training with it. Okay. All right. Are we going to talk about cost of software or that's, again, we're back to that individual. Yeah, I think you already said we're going to do that individually. Tried to get it out of you. You aren't oh. giving it up. <laughs> I understand. Hey, you know what? It, it it blows my mind when I sit back and I think about what it took to get you to this place and the fact that you're basically giving a business in a box. I mean, that's really what it is, right? I mean, it's it's literally pop it in your market, buy your own domain, put it up, customize it somewhat, pay attention to the training and spend a year building it and you have a business in a box. Very cool. Um, how do you stay motivated in all this? Because it's got to be, I mean, I guess you're on the other side of it now. The heart, well, I mean, I don't know that it's not hard anymore. I'm sure it's hard every single day, right? Because every week there's probably something new. But how do you stay motivated and interested? Um, it's, it's way more easier now that I have employees helping out. Uh, you know what I mean? Cause if you're doing a job by yourself for so long, you can easily lose motivation, but you know, constantly having people at the warehouse helping out things and seeing that it's just one big team effort is really rewarding to me. If I bought your stuff, would I be able to come to your, see your warehouse and actually see an operation? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Hmm. Which I would absolutely suggest. Um, and even you know, volunteering if you would allow that much, just because I think then you get to get a taste for it because it's not for everyone, is it? No, it's definitely not for everyone. Is it, um, if I don't like people, is this kind of business to be in? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of local, so you have to build those relationships. The people aren't just bidding on your website. They're bidding on you. You know, like a lot of consigners, we just have good relationships and they're like, I know I can take myself to John and you know, they just enjoy the whole thing of it. Is it harder to find buyers or sellers? Sellers. Really? Um, I would think of going to, I don't know, I assume you have flea markets and things like that. I mean, uh, this time of year, they're not operating very well because it's kind of cold, at least where I'm at. And so I would think that at the end of the season, they would want to, you know, purge their stuff. Um, I would think that that would be, again, that seasonal thing. Um, but then again, they would might want a premium for their stuff. 
Yes, I've actually gone to a good number of flea markets and handed out business cards and kind of talked about the website and gotten some consigners that way. Well, what's the best way that you've gotten consigners? Word of mouth. <laughs> it's, you know, oh, you know, so-and-so told me about this, so I thought I'd bring my stuff. Like, that's, it's just so powerful. I mean, we've done so many different things to try to get consigners, but still, word of mouth has been by far the best. Very cool. Dude, this is, uh, just blows my mind. Again, I appreciate that you have taken the initiative and, because this, this isn't easy. Most people would have given up probably the first challenge, which was probably first four hours of talking about this, especially when you're dealing with IT guys and you speak your language and he speaks his language and then somebody has to try to figure out what you're saying, right? Um, how, do you, uh, how do you stay tied to your relationships, your health, and your kind of future thinking? How do you, how do you manage all that? It's difficult, you know. I'm not going to lie. Because the, the tricky part about owning your own business is to make it successful, you've got to be all in. And sometimes that takes away from personal relationships. So you've got to reel it back a little bit and say, okay, when I get home, you know, I have to like, quote unquote, clock out mentally. And I've got to just, you know, spend time with my wife and do family things. Um, but, you know, the phone never stops ringing. Uh, business still has to be done. So I, I, I do my best to, when I get home. I, I try to just not do business stuff at all. Do you, do you have to work a lot of weekends anymore now? I mean, do people try to bring you their stuff on Saturdays? At first, I did do a lot of weekends um, just because I was trying to get it off the ground. Uh, but now it's everybody's cool with doing Tuesdays, Wednesday. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday. We do a little bit on other days, but not much. Okay. All right. And that's case by case. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have that 250 people come through or 260 people on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and handle the volume of people picking up their stuff. That blows my mind. And let others come in to look at stuff. There's a lot of moving pieces there. Yeah. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are always pretty crazy. And luckily not all the consigners come at once. You know, I'd say on a Tuesday we might have 25 consigners and on a Wednesday, maybe like 30 or something. Okay. Okay. Well, I am um, blown away. Um, the website is called look what I found dot bid. Um, if you're interested in this model, and Steve does not benefit in one way other than getting to watch you have success, which is the coolest thing in my world, because I get to meet a guy like John Yarbury. Because to me, I just applaud you, and I just—it's very inspiring to me to see somebody again figure it out. And and quite frankly, really, it's a uh, an effort issue for you, right? If you want to be more successful, you got to put some more effort in. Absolutely. You you don't see a limit, do you? No, I don't. Not at all. You don't see a boundary. You don't see somebody restricting what you're doing. You could put in more time or hire more people, and you could get bigger. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, uh, let me ask this, because this might be some somebody's asking. Of the 4,000 square feet you have, how much of it's dedicated to this business versus the eBay and other stuff that you do? Um, 95% of it is dedicated to the business, and maybe okay. 5% to eBay. And. You keep your toe in eBay just because you find things that might be a better fit for that. Do you see that staying for your future? I think so, yeah. I like having multiple revenue streams. I still sell to Palladian Sports. I do the local thing um, because, you know, even though we are, we've been going strong for three years, we still have a bad week every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like every once in a while there's a bad auction week. So that's when the other revenue streams kind of kick in. But the coolest thing to me, as I was sitting here thinking about this, you don't have a lot of your own inventory laying around with 95% of your your uh, space dedicated to this because you really have no excuse for keeping inventory laying around because you have a, an avenue to sell it. It might sell at a buck, 
but you have an avenue no matter what. Yes. You're not limited. I think that that's very attractive. For the people who are sitting there saying, I don't want to have junk sitting around, and junk is relative, um, this is very attractive because you're turning and burning week in, week out, week in, week out. Love it. John, you're very cool, dude. <laughs> okay, <laughs> somebody's interested in finding out more about this and talking to you one-on-one, which I absolutely recommend. And, you know, this is Steve's recommendation is I absolutely recommend you go and see this kind of thing. If you guys can get that far along in the conversation, be certain because this is a long game, right? This is, you're not thinking next year. You're thinking the next five years, right, John? Absolutely. Yeah, and to me, that's what you want. But you want to build... I mean, here, how about this? You're thinking the next five years, you're not th- worried about next week's paycheck because of all this work. And to me, that's very, very exciting. You're able to work on your business. You're able to plan. Um, very, very cool. All right. Somebody has questions. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, they can contact me through my website. It's look what I found not bid. And we've got a contact us section. Okay, they have a contact section. Um, tell me you heard it from this uh, conversation because it's interesting to you because these are kind of things that interest me, and I would hope that this is interesting to others. As they're sitting there saying, hey, what do I do with my Amazon? I just saw this story out there, um, and I think of Forrest to Cure, and Forrest has a business where people were sending their um, their merchandise to him, you know, the stuff that didn't sell on Amazon, and they were sending it to him, and he had a very similar model, but it's it was massive. I mean, he has his hands full. And right now he's not taking anything in because it's so voluminous, right? Is this something that a group of people could put together for that particular model? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think so too. And I think it, you know, you could play with the percentages. Group people could pool together, send it to someone who wants to run this kind of business. Understand though, this is a business that they will need to get paid for, but then they could model it. Mm, love that. That's a, not a bad idea too. Okay. John Yarbury, and I'm going to put the links in here, but again, it's look what I found dot bid. So John, the goal of the podcast is to help people who get stuck, right? They get stuck. They have not figured it out like you. Um, and I, I guess you would say that you haven't completely figured out you're a work in progress, right? To be fair. Yeah, I would say so. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's very cool that you're you haven't figured it out. To me, that's what's exciting. What would you say to those who are who are at the place where you were, and they're saying, "Hmm, I want to kind of control things, or maybe I want to go a different direction." What's your advice? I would say, just in general, if somebody has an inkling of doing something different, uh, or they want to, you know, start a new business, I would say just take the first step and do it. Because if you're saying to yourself, I'm not ready yet. You know, what about this? What about that? You just have to do it and kind of learn as you go. I've always been like that. Um, just, just do it and force yourself to do it. And it might not be pretty at first, but you'll, you'll work it out and you'll get there. Hmm. I think about though, if you were three years ago, you know, if you didn't do it, you'd be still looking backwards saying, man, three years ago, I should have done this three years. I should have done this. And John's not saying that right now. He's saying, man, I'm glad I did this. And to me, that's what's so cool about it, man. I, I wish you nothing but success, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on Stephen. This was fun. Man, oh man, what a great guy. What a smart, smart individual. I just can't imagine those 70-hour work weeks. I mean, if you heard him say this, the first year he did every single thing himself. That's why he's successful, because he's willing to do the work. How many of us are willing to put in that 4,000 hours to make a business successful? We talk about it. We all want it. But he put in over 4,000 hours and didn't take a paycheck and just put his head down because he was so clear on where he was going. Um, And he's figuring it out in a way. His advice is very sound. 
take the first step. That's a hard thing to do. There's going to be a bunch of people saying, wow, this is cool. I should look at it. I should think about it. But very few are going to take action. John's here to tell you that he's three years out looking back saying it's the best thing he's ever done. Think about that. Look back in your business three years ago. Would you say that where you're at is the best place that you could have been? Hmm. If not, consider it. Um, seems like a straight guy. I love the fact that he's willing to give you some coaching with it. Um, and again, my advice is, you know, if you're going to invest in a business, you go see it and you go work in it and you volunteer there and you put up with the, the dirt and the filth and you deal with some of the people, individuals, characters that sell and buy and understand what it is. So you have no delusions. However, and, and then again, too, do you want staff? I mean, that's one of the things that comes with it. And then you have the challenges that come along with that. But if you can get past all that and you can get the space and you can get the insurance and you can get all those logistics worked out with some help from John, this might be a very, very interesting model. And as I kind of alluded to, this might solve some of the problem what to do with that excess inventory, especially if you have a group of people that are willing to get you started um, and help uh, fund the selling uh, items to sell. Because again, that's one of the biggest challenges that John will tell you is to find the items to sell and find the sellers that'll be there 52 weeks a year. Not as easy as you think. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.